I am Sarah Good. I'm a youth pastor at Wapakoneta Community Worship Center. I'm also the West Central Area Youth Representative. So my information is up here on the board, my email. If you have any questions after today, you can contact me. Could I put the fan out the door? Because it's, it's cooler right hey, here. Hey, you can do... Oh, we're going to circulate warm air. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. I just planned on standing right in front of the fan, so wherever you put it. They kept it shut all last session, so. They came in earlier to look at the heat, so. All right, so for those of you who um, are youth leaders or youth helpers, what do you guys do in your church? Like, what do you want, what questions do you want answered today? That's one of the questions that I'm supposed to ask you. What do you guys want answered in this session? Do you have any major thing that. You were started. Well, I just know that there's a different style of approach at even even school. Some different churches are implementing where they're combining Sunday school with say with the uh, well Rangers for instance. Mm-hmm. There's a com- you know different accommodation because yeah. the children are just not there like they were when I first started. So yeah. Plus years ago. So. Um, All right. So just the difference in cultures from different areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? So we have youth leadership and then culture. Any other questions that I should answer today? All right. So I'm going to first start off by saying a little bit about our church and our church layout. So um, for those of you who don't know, Wapakoneta is a little smaller it's um, how much? 10,000 people. So some people say it's a larger city. Some people say it's smaller, but around 10,000 people. Our church is around 350 on a Sunday morning, I would say, average. And then um, we have, on Sunday morning, we have children's ministry. So it's, they have their own worship service. They have their own um, services for children. They're not in the adult service at all. The adult service is, of course, for adults and teenagers. And then on Sunday night, we have a youth service that is strictly for teenagers. And then on Wednesday, we have Royal Rangers and Girls Ministry. But then we also do youth have worship with the adults. And then we separate and do, like, more of a small group teaching. So that's our layout. I don't know. Does anybody have youth, like, on a special night where there are no adults there? A couple. Okay, That well, that's what we have. So... I took it from that perspective, and it's a lot easier to minister to youth when it's only them because they feel more comfortable. But it's also, we noticed, we were sitting down as a staff, and we noticed that we were creating what my pastor called silos. And the youth ministry was over here. The children's ministry was here. The elders, because we have an adult ministry that's prime timers for 55 and older, was here. And then we had our Sunday morning service where we wanted to bring everybody together. But we also saw that there were teenagers who didn't come to that. So I sat down and I strategically laid out a plan, like how can I get the teenagers involved in not only youth ministry, because I want to see them in their ministry minister to other youth, but I also want to see them a part of the whole church. And I think that's what's going to make a healthy transition for youth to be able to transfer into the adult services or into young adults, which we don't have. So our youth go from youth service to adult service on Sunday morning. So I laid out the different silos that we had, children's, um, prime timers or elders, and then Sunday morning and youth. And I thought, how can I work all these things together? Because as a church body, the youth are supposed to encourage the elders because, of course, they have more energy and they're more excited. But like you said, it's a different culture. So how do we as leaders, get them to work together and to make a a healthy church body. So I thought, how do we do this? Like, how do you even get started doing something like this? And then I also thought, who do we use? Because like you said, building a student leadership team sometimes is difficult because in youth, it's such a transition because you're only, they're only there for four or if you do seven through 12, six years, and then you get all new students. So if you're raising up a leader from Of course, you're not going to use a seventh grader right off. But if you're raising up a leader from their freshman year to their senior year, at their senior year, like, yes, I finally got this accomplished. Like, they are doing great. They are doing well. And then it's like, oh, but they graduate this year. What do I do then? So 
what I did was how do we do it and then who do I use? Because those are the two most important things. So I'm going to write up here on my whiteboard the different silos or ministries that I was um, having. So we had youth and then we had Sunday morning. And then we have the elders. And then we have children's. Oh, come on in. <laughs> I was going to say, there's some seats up here. Feel free to come on in. Yeah. Okay. But um, in those instances, I thought, what are at least two things that I can do? Two things that I can do to help unite the body. So I started with children's because to me that was the easiest because I felt like they already were because we had youth helping on the Sunday morning teach or they were youth helpers so they would do snack and get things ready. So I already felt like they were kind of united and plus our youth, our youth has a servant's heart really, most of them do. So at events like the uh, Fall Harvest Festival, they will volunteer and help. They're very excited because of course with children it's easy for children and youth because the youth feel like they're a leader and everybody will follow them so they love that and then I went to what I thought was the hardest part and that is our elders because like you said it's a completely different culture between children and elders how do you even get those two together because it's natural for teenagers to hang out with other teenagers it's natural for them to congregate to people who understand what they're saying or what they're thinking and what they're doing like and then for elders they're thinking how do I even talk to these teenagers like I don't even have a Facebook I don't understand what they're even coming from and so I sat down with some of our elders and I asked them so how do you feel about teenagers And, of course, they were like, oh, I love them. They're so, you know, I'm excited whenever I see them in church. I'm excited when I see them on a Sunday morning, worship the Lord. But I just don't know how to show them that. And then I asked the teenagers, what do you love most about elders? Or what are you maybe intimidated about elders? And they told me that it's very intimidating because elders sometimes feel like they know everything. And it's a different culture. So some of the things that they'll tell you, really, you don't understand. And then some of you teenagers could probably relate to this, right? Like sometimes when an elder sits there, it's very intimidating because you think, how many times have they read through this Bible? You know, they've been saved longer than I've been alive, you know? And they get intimidated by that. So teenagers will congregate to what they're comfortable with. And elders, same thing, what they're comfortable with. So I thought, how can I strategically work these two out? Because this was the hardest thing for me as a youth pastor looking at the situation. And I sat down with our um, senior adult pastor. And he, of course, was, he started off as a youth pastor. So he was saying what he did. But, of course, with culture and everything changing and shifting, it wasn't relevant, relevant to today. So... We got online and we did all these studies and we read everything we could about, you know, intergenerational ministry and how we could bring those together. And what we decided was best for our church is, and some of you guys may have heard about this and some of you may have not, but we saw a study about in high schools, they started implementing this. They started bringing seniors in to read to children or to read to junior high people who were not up to the reading standards. And I thought, hmm, like that's interesting. They bring in seniors. They don't bring in people their age or people that are, you know, younger. They bring in seniors. So I thought, how can we do that in youth? And what we decided to do was we call it adoptive grandparents. So every single week, I sat down with our senior adult pastor, and he has a list of all the elders in our church. And I sat down with a list of all the teenagers in our church. And we paired up by many different characteristics we did. I wrote them down here so I would be able to tell you guys. Um, We did things like what they're interested in, their hobbies. We did maybe spiritually, if 
someone was a retired pastor and someone felt called to pastor or to minister in any compa- uh, capability, we did that. We um, looked at their hobbies, their interests, what they're interested in. And then we also, with teenagers, we looked at their family situation and if they come from a broken home, if they're going to need more time. Because let's face it, some teenagers who grew up in church are more stable. Some people who have a stable home life, they're, I mean, their Christian walk is more stable. And then you have some teenagers who come from broken homes. They've never had any adult mentor in their life. They don't even know, you know, where to even start. So what we did was we paired up the people who were more capable to spend more time because some seniors with their health, with their, and we didn't even put an age range on it. We have someone who's 16 paired up with one who sings every Sunday and he's 90 years old. So it's the fact that, yeah, yeah. So it's the fact that we just did what worked best for their personalities and for them. And then, of course, there are some teenagers who sit with their adoptive grandparent even Sundays now. And there are, like, last Sunday, one of the teenagers came and said, oh, I'm so excited. And I was like, how are you early? You're always late. Your parents are always late. She says, I'm so excited because I got to stay over at uh, Jerry and Lisa's house, my adoptive grandparents, and we, we watched Netflix all night. You know, so it's not, even like, it's not even like they did something amazing with them. It's just spending that quality time. So it's one of those things where you have to do what works for your church, but that's something that we did and implemented for our seniors that has, like, worked amazing. So some seniors with their health and with stuff like that, sometimes it's the teenagers stepping up and encouraging the senior. Because um, when I go on hospital visits, if I know that that adoptive grandparent is in the hospital and I know that they have a teenager that they've walked along beside, I take them with me and they get to pray over, you know, for that person. So it's encouraging to see them minister to each other in a way that I never would have thought when I first, you know, that's not something that I would have been like, let's pair up this 16 year old and a 90 year old and see, see, let's just see what happens. No, I never would have thought that. But by reading and studying like, Hey, it worked in the school. Why wouldn't it work in the church? And then something else we did was, um, of course, we always serve the elders. On In October, we have a banquet for our senior adults, and we would serve them. So it's on a Sunday night, so it's on a youth night. So we just come, we serve them a meal, and then, of course, they have their own activities and stuff like that that night. But we're just there to serve. And whenever you serve someone, it builds a bond to where they're more acceptable of that person and they're going to listen to that person and now our elders love it our teenagers love it like I never would have thought it would work but it's worked amazing so um, the only thing is you have to pair them up correctly because some things when we paired up I'm going to tell you some some people we failed like because we paired them up thinking like oh this is going to be really good and then when they hang out they're like yeah, this teenager just, you know, like, they don't want to listen. They're really not acceptable. And then the teenager comes to me like, why would you hook me up with that person? Like, we sat down and had a meal. I couldn't even talk to him about anything. You know, so, of course, there are times when you had to rearrange that and switch it. But it's worked out for us. And then also on a Sunday morning, because youth sometimes will sleep in on Sunday mornings. We all know that. But it's one of those things where they have to feel like they're a part You have to feel like you're a part. And whenever you feel like you're a part of that body, just like he was saying, student leadership, whenever you feel like you're a part of that body, then you're going to want to be there. So what I started doing is, uh, of course, with praise and worship, our student, we have student-led worship. And on the fifth Sunday last year, on the fifth Sunday of every month, well, no, there's only four fifth Sundays, right? Yeah of the month, if it was the fifth Sunday, the student leader, or the student worship team would lead worship on the Sunday morning. So the students in the congregation felt like they were a part of it. Like they felt like, hey, you know what? They want us here on a Sunday morning. They want us to be a part of this. And then also now we don't do the fifth Sunday, but what we do is we have on any Sunday, there's at least two students from our student worship team that are working with the adult worship team. So they're either singing or playing instruments, or we've just worked them together to where they don't feel like, hey, I'm a student, and then, hey, this is the adult worship team. It's just the worship team. So 
on a Sunday morning that's worked for us and then also what we've done is student leadership and what I did this year was it's hard to transition seventh graders into a ministry that's seven to twelve because parents sometimes are nervous about it students are nervous about it because transition is just a hard time so what I did was I took some of my juniors and seniors who I knew were stable who I knew were great leaders and they weren't followers and I paired them up with seventh graders and eighth graders who were having a hard time or maybe they just were unsure about coming to remix which is our youth ministry and what I did was I just said hey you're going to contact them once a month you know you're going to reach out to them once a month that's what I expect from the beginning and then after you get them to come to remix if they're not there I want you to contact them so they feel that responsibility. If they're not there on a Sunday morning, and of course teenagers sometimes, they don't think about it at first, but I would just go up to them and I'd be like, hey, did you see this person here this morning? And I wasn't like, hey, did you check up on this person? It's just, hey, did you see him there this morning? I didn't see him. And then they're like, oh, no, I don't think I've seen him either. I'll have to get a hold of him. So it's just getting them to the point where they feel like they're a part of Sunday morning service, where if they're not there, what I started doing is when they're not there, if I would get them there the first time, I would introduce them to an usher or I would introduce them to uh, an elder. I would introduce them to someone in the church who I knew was there almost every Sunday, every Sunday. And then if they weren't there, I would do the same thing. Like, oh, hey, did you notice where this person was today? And they'd be like, oh, no, I didn't see them. Do you know where they're at? No, I didn't see them either. So then they're like, oh, I should, ha- I should contact them. So not only was I contacting them, but someone who wasn't even related to the youth department was like, oh, wow, I didn't see them there. So that's also something that we did. And then by way of student leadership, how many people have a student leadership team if you're a youth pastor or if you're there? Are you guys on the student leadership team? That's why you're here, huh? So do you want to share, like, how you, like, what, do you, what are your responsibilities as a student leader? Mm-hmm. So we're only in eighth grade, but like cool. then we're student leaders, and we have to go through like a contract system, and we have to sign a contract like with regulations saying like what we can and cannot do, and we all have jobs and like specific jobs on Wednesdays, which is the night we have our youth group, and we just have like we some have will be like really like juniors and seniors mm-hmm. most of our. You could use our eighth freshman and sophomore. Cool. So, so yeah. That's awesome. So student leadership is something that, like I said, I answered the question, how do I mix them together? But then it's who do I use? Because not everybody is going to be able to minister, or not every senior or junior is going to be able to go up to a seventh grader and be like, oh, hey, you want to come to you know youth on a Sunday night? It's just not possible because – culture because people come from different backgrounds. Do you have a question? Yeah. If youth are not, if she's asking, how, how much do I make personal contacts? And this is something that my pastor has taught me every single week. Every single week. If they're not there on a Sunday, I'm either sending them a card, I'm sending them an email, I'm getting on Facebook wondering where they're at, I'm making contacts with their parents. I know every single one of our students' parents, whether they come to our church or not. I mean, that's just something that I do. If your student comes to youth, if it's the first time there, I call their house because we have them fill out information cards. I call their house. I thank the parent for letting them come to the youth, you know, for youth service. And then I ask them, is there anything I can do for you? You know, what, what are you struggling with? You know, because parent, parenting is hard. I don't do it, but parenting is hard, you know. Parenting high schoolers is hard. And I see their burdens and their struggles, so what can I help them with? you know, in that area. Maybe there's something going on with that student that I have no idea. So that's when I talk to their parents, and then they inform me. You have another question? Yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, when you were talking about how you notice when people are there and stuff, 
mm-hmm. with the church that size, I'm like, do you have like an attendance thing that you like kind of are checking people? Who are leaders that, like, He's over there shaking his head. We have... We have a recording system that records everybody walking in, and then our administrative assistant takes attendance by person. So we get a list every week of who was there and who was not there. So that's how we do that. Also, with teenagers, I mean, I really only have 35 teenagers. So, I mean, for me, that's, I mean, I notice when they're gone and when they're not. And then Sunday night, we also take attendance. So if they're not there, if they're not there for two weeks, the first week, you know, I understand, like, people have vacations, people have, but if they're, there, if they're not there for two weeks and they can't really tell me a definite answer of why they're not there, what I do is I set up a time to meet with them. Like, oh, hey, I know you have basketball on a Tuesday night. Do you want to go out to dinner afterwards? Or do you want to, you know, meet for coffee or whatever it is? That way you do build that relationship because the only way that you can have a student leadership team is have a relationship with the students. <laughs> I get it from my pastor. <laughs> I have to suck up. He's in here. Uh, I was going to say, we call the parent, I mean, the pairing up. Um, yeah. 16 years ago when we were church planning, we called, I called it encouragement team. Yeah. And so our, you know, elders really wanted to do that. So now we're new church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're six years into there. And I sent out 50 letters. And I got two responses back because I was going to have, you know, um, elderly people adopt students and they, two letters back. So I start calling, asking why, you know, is there something mm-hmm. it wasn't clear what yeah. I was asking. And they said, we, we can't mentor them. We just don't. And so they were afraid of that. So mm-hmm. the Lord told me to turn it around. So mm-hmm. the students adopted them. Yep. And so, um, so if that doesn't work, the students adopted them and then, um, once every two months in the service, the people mm-hmm. don't know this. So you have yeah. to keep this quiet. Yeah, you're right. I would do a PowerPoint of a suggested card of what they could write in a mm-hmm. card, and we would spend that whole service. I would encourage them with food and all that, and then they had to write their cards. So yep. they would do a birthday card, a Christmas card, a Just Because card, and another card, and they wrote all their cards in that service mm-hmm. and then I would mail them out just for security reasons of addresses yep. and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that got the ball rolling and now our adults are on board but at yep. first they were like I can't do that they're I don't know how to talk to them they mm-hmm. require too much and it was simple stuff it yeah. was just like praying yeah. for them on a Sunday or you know um, getting them a little like a, a pack of gum you know what I mean mm-hmm. on Sunday but they were just afraid to, I gave them 10 ways they could touch their life and they just wouldn't do it so the student I turned it around yeah that so as I mean as seniors it is it is intimidating with the culture change I think that's really what it is is the different cultures it's hard but that's awesome that you turned it around because I actually started doing that first I didn't call it anything but on like Valentine's Day we made a list of all of our elders in the church and I got, I went to like the Dollar Tree or something and got like a dollar box of chocolates or, you know, if they were diabetic or something like that, I would get a rose or, you know, something small and all the students would write a letter and then they would take it to them. You know, a Sunday night, that's what we did. We spent time ministering to our, you know, widows. It's very important. So it's one of those things where, Sometimes it's the teenager stepping up, you know, so I'm that's why I do what I do because sometimes it is the teenager stepping up and when that happens I'm like, yes, you know, it's exciting and then Also, um, when you were saying that there was something else that I thought, oh wow We also did that too and I don't remember what it is So if I remember that later, I'll be like just blurt it out or if I remember it later on today I'll be like man, that was a really good idea. Why didn't I say that? <laughs> but um, oh that was one of the things our um Seniors, our elders, 55 and older, they have once a month they get together. So that's how I started it is when I asked them, you know, what is intimidating about the youth or what, what would you change about the youth department here? Or how would you intermix them into your culture? And they told me that they just wanted them around. You know, they want to get to know them because that's the first step is they don't understand their culture. So as long as they're around, if they're close, then they'll get it. And I only know that because I went and I spoke at one of the prime timers events for our elders. I went and I spoke and then we went and had ice cream. So they offered me food and 
I went. <laughs> but it's one of those things that has to be intentional. And if it's not intentional, then what? I know. I don't turn down free food. So regardless of food, I'm there. And that's the way teenagers are too. And now we even have elders who once a month, like, they're really good at it. Once a month, they're like, oh, I want to bring in homemade cinnamon rolls on a Sunday night. I want to bring in cupcakes on a Sunday night. So now I'm seeing them even want to come to youth service. You know, like, they want to be young again. So it's awesome to see that. And then for student leadership, how I, how I even started that, because when I came in, there really wasn't, they had started the process, but there wasn't really any guidelines. Like you said, there was no instruction on what to do so I took the leaders that were already there that they had set up and I set them down and this is a scary thing to do when you don't know what they're going to say but I set them down and I said what do you expect of a leader what do you expect you know and they were thinking like I'm going to tell her what I expect from her you know that's what they were really thinking because this is a new youth pastor coming in she's thinking like what do they want what do I want from her so they're making like all these regulations and what they think like I should be doing and I said well as leaders shouldn't you be doing the same thing like don't you expect the same thing from your pastor that you do leaders in the church and then they were like why do why do we like make the ball so high you know like why do we make the bar up here when we really don't want to hit that you know but it actually challenged them and then I actually did this again this year and I sat down in January with my leadership team and I said so what do you guys expect from a leader? And I was expecting them to be like, well, actually, you know, we said we expect this, but we really don't. They did the complete opposite. And they said, and like our worship team, their regulations they, they wanted were, if you don't attend on a Sunday morning, you can't worship with us on a Sunday night. Like you need to be in service, so you have a personal time of worship. And I was like, wow. Like I wouldn't have set the bar that high, but they did. And then they also said, like, if you're not in a practice, then you can't be on the worship team that night. You need to be in worship. Or they also said, um, if you miss two consecutive practices or two consecutive services, you need to be in service two times before you can be on the worship team again. And I'm thinking, these are really good, these are really good things, you know? And I don't know if I would have set the bar that high for them. They're teenagers. You know, they're supposed to still, yeah, it's a student leadership team, and they need to have accountability, but they also need a safe place to come and have fun. And as a student leadership team, there has to be a balance of fun because, yeah, teenagers still want to have fun. They want to be immature. And, of course, they want to play games and act stupid and all kinds of other stuff because I like doing that stuff too. But... They also need to understand that there's a time to do those things, and then there's a time of ministry, a time where I'm actually a leader, so I have to be accountable. So it's how do we, and this is something that someone told me, like why would you start a leadership team for students when students are going to fail? You know, realistically, students, how many people in here have been failed by a student before? I know I have, right? They either don't show up when they're supposed to, they don't do, you know, like our student um, worship team, he's supposed to have songs to me by Wednesday for what they're going to do on worship. How many Wednesdays do I have to, like, contact him at church? Like, hey, do you have those songs? Oh, no, I forgot. You know, it's just realistically they're teenagers. They are going to drop the ball sometimes. But how many people in here have been failed by an adult before? You know, like how many times have an adult dropped the ball, but yet... If they come up and say, I want to do this, we're like, oh, okay, no big deal, you know? So it's kind of a double standard, right? You know? Of course, for teenagers, you need to, there are certain things that, as I was writing, guidelines and things that, you know, that they're supposed to be doing or not supposed to be doing, um, you have to leave t room for grace because, yeah, they're going to mess up, but you need to know how that, as a teenager, it's easier to correct someone and be like, actually, we probably should have done it this way. If you say that to an adult, sometimes it doesn't come over as well. You know, like, actually, you should have done it this way. You know, no, no. So if we teach them as teenagers how to do leadership, how to be leaders in the church, how to be a part of the church body, then as young adults, they're not just sitting on the pew thinking, what do I do now? You know, I was in the student 
you know, I did go to Remix on Sunday nights. I did, you know, I was part of the welcome table, the welcome crew. I, you know, helped with cleanup afterwards. Now, now that I graduated, what do I do? You know, and that's what I was seeing. So it's how do we get them to be leaders today that then whenever they transfer into adulthood, you know, whenever they get their diploma and we consider them adults, like they need a healthy transition. And that is going to take intentional work all through high school. You know, it's not something that you just come to church and as a new Christian you get saved and you think, man, I really need to tithe. Man, I really need to, you know, volunteer. It's something that we have to create in culture that they have to finally understand that, hey, this is important. Like, they're getting blessed because they're serving, you know? They're, they're getting blessed because all these people are coming up. If they missed on a Sunday, and this is something that students will start to realize. If they're a student, like, what, what's your name? Hannah? Hannah? If Hannah is a student leader, which she is, and she misses on a Sunday morning, and 15 people come up to her the next Sunday, oh, Hannah, I missed you. Where were you last Sunday? I didn't see you. They're, students are going to notice that. And they're going to be like, man, I want to be in her position. I want people to ask me where I'm at. So it's who you start your student leadership team is probably one of the most important questions. Because if you start off the student leadership team with people who set the bar here, it's going to be completely different than if you start off with student leadership team that starts the bar here. So this is something that I got wrong in my first couple years of ministry. I'm not going to lie. And I'm sure that everybody's got it wrong at some point in their life. Who do I use? And, of course, we have students who do a welcome table. We have student-led praise and worship. We have um, pro presenter and soundboard that students do. We have, I mean, they're on the media team. They're, um, one of them's learning how to set up a website right now. He's learning how to do the youth website. So it's very important for all these people, all these ministries. But... It's also important for the teenagers to understand, like, I'm a part of something bigger. And whenever I transition, then I can still be a part of that, but just in a bigger picture, you know? Because instead of 35 people in my youth ministry, I have 350 in the whole church. So who do you start with? So at first I started with the people who, of course, like for me, I'm thinking the people who have the most talent. Because how do you start a website? I don't know. Like, my husband does all that stuff. I don't know anything about it. How do you, you know, uh, another one was like, how do you do media? Like, I'm not a media person. I'm not one of those people that does the soundboard. I'm not one of those people who does the praise and worship team. So how do I even start? Like, I can't sing. It's like a joke. And I just don't sing. I don't. I sing when I can't hear myself sing. But if I can hear myself, I'm out, you know? So... It's one of those things where, how do I start a student worship team when I can't sing, you know? But you have to have leaders, and that's when it comes, the adult leaders have to walk along beside you, and then they build up student leaders. But I finally realized, in my couple years of ministry, I realized that the people with the most talent sometimes are the people that it seems like it's a no-brainer, but we need to start using the people who have the, the best heart. You know, if they have a heart for Jesus, if they have a heart for ministry, if they have a heart for other people, because you can always teach them the talent, unless it's media or singing for me, but you can always teach them the talent, but you, can always, you can't teach someone how to have a heart for Jesus. You know, they just have to do that. So what I did when I started the, the leadership team I looked around, and I like to evaluate situations, and I am very detailed. I catch pretty much everything all the time. So as I looked around, I would watch on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, and on a Sunday night. Who are the people who are caring about other people? You know, Who are the people who are actually talking to the people who really don't fit in? Who are the ones who are worshiping? Who are the ones who are grounded in their faith? They know what they believe. And then after I found those people, even if they have no talent at all, because if someone, as a, as a student going to church for me, I was one of those people that they looked at the group and they were like, hmm, who has some talent in here? I'm going to use them. No, I was always like the last one being called because I consider myself very little talent, right? I can't sing, can't dance, can't like, no, 
I'm not media oriented. I'm not one of those people who, you know, has one of those fine arts. You know, if there was fine arts in my day, like in the Pentecostal church, because I didn't grow up in the AG, I wouldn't have went. Like, that's just not me. I would not have went. I can never see myself doing human video or any of these cool, awesome things. But, of course, I encourage my teenagers to do it. Like, I think it's the best thing ever because you can always teach them those gifts, but you can't always teach them how to have a heart for Jesus. So when I started the leadership team, that's what I did. I looked for students who had a heart for Jesus. And then after I found them, I asked them, okay, what are, what are your guidelines for leaders? What are your guidelines for people who are your following? And then after I did that, I think the very most important thing that as, I don't know, what time are we leaving here? Okay, plenty of time, plenty of time. But one of the most important things that I did was you have to know the guidelines. The teenagers have to know those guidelines. That's why I asked them, what are your guidelines? What, what things are you supposed to do as a student leader? Because if they don't know, I guarantee they're not going to do it. And then also follow up, follow up, follow up. I can't say that like more and more, follow up. It's very important. If we don't follow up with them, even... As even if they're an elite, if they're a leader and they're just one of those goal-oriented people, if we don't follow up with them, then chances are they're not going to know what they're supposed to be doing. They're not going to know when it's due, and they're probably not going to get it done. So follow up was for me something that doesn't really come natural because whenever I tell you to do something, I just expect you to do it, and then that's the way you know. Like or whenever you're like, "Hey, this is a great idea. I think we should do this," and I'm like, "Yes, I think we should do that. You're right." I'm, you know, like, okay, I think, are you going to be in charge of that? And then they'll say, yeah. I'm thinking like, oh, they're working on that. When really, sometimes they're not, you know. <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. I think we should do this. And then I'm like, yeah, you should start working on that. Now I have to reword it and I have to say, yeah, you should really work on that. And I'll meet you back in a week. And then we can talk about what you worked on, you know. Like after girls' ministry, um, the event that they just had one of the students came back and was like man I'm so excited God told me that I'm supposed to share a message on a Wednesday night and she doesn't know that I told you guys that so it's supposed to be top secret so don't tell her but um (laughs) anyhow she came back and she's like God told me that I'm supposed to share this message and I feel like it's going to be about this and I was like that is awesome like I will make a time for you to do that and she's like okay and then I meet back with her the next week, and I was like, hey, what did you find out about the message? She's like, oh, I haven't even thought about it. And I'm like, well, you know, like the time that we set up, and you have to, you have, to have an end date, because if you don't have an end date, it's just whenever, you know? So I set a date for her in April, and I said, okay, you have two weeks. And then after the two weeks, we're going to sit down, and we're going to talk about it. And then after we talk about it, you can have one more week, and then we'll sit down again and finalize everything. And then then you'll be ready, you know, you'll be, you'll be good to go. She's like, oh, really, that soon? And I'm like, well, if you don't do it now, if God tells you to do something, you don't start it now, when are you going to do it, you know? So it's just teaching them that there are guidelines and there are things that you should be doing. And then it's following up with them because I realize they are teenagers and they have sports, they have school, they have homework, they have families, they have everything that we have and probably more, you know? So... They have a lot of responsibility, but sometimes they're immature. And sometimes as adults, we're immature. I'll speak for myself. But it's one of those things where if we don't follow up with them, then they don't know what we expect. So I think expectation is very important in student leadership. So guidelines, expectation, and grace. Because when a student messes up, and I'll just share... um, on our worship team, we have some students, and of course, teenagers at a certain age, they go through a little rebellious time where they don't really want to listen as much, or they don't want to do things just the way that you want them to do it. You know, they want to do things just a little outside of the rules, just to see if you catch on, you know, and then they want to, you know, pretty much make light of everything that you say and joke about it, and it's how you handle them, that how you handle those situations, that every person is different. And we need to realize that, yeah, they're going to mess up and they're going to fall, but we need to walk with them through it. And that's one of the very most important things is that we need to walk with them through it. And we don't need to pretty much say, sorry, you messed up like you're done. Because if we say that, 
then they're not going to come to church. Like I had to pull a girl out. I was just telling my pastor, I had to pull a girl out last Wednesday out of our small group. And I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, is something going on? Like you've been very different and very not as interested in the messages. You've been kind of disruptive. Is something going on? Guess what? She didn't come back the next week. Well, she came back the next week. She didn't come back the week after that. So it's like, do I know that that's what's going on? Do I know that? No, sometimes we never know the situation or really, you know, what makes them mad or what makes them upset because they don't, as teenagers, sometimes they don't feel like they can tell us or they don't feel like we care or they just feel like, why does it even matter? You know, so we need to, like he was saying this morning, and this is something that maybe I'm, I don't know, I'm a little too blunt sometimes. So it's something that we need to create an atmosphere of, yeah, he'll laugh, an atmosphere of honesty to where people can come and, you know, speak their mind and tell you. But if they have something negative, my rule is always as teenagers, you can come and tell me what's wrong and what I'm doing wrong, but then you have to tell me how I'm going to fix it, you know? So as leadership team, that's very important. That's what we do at our meetings. I meet with them at least once a quarter, and I say, okay, what is going wrong in the services? What can we evaluate here? What, what, are we, what can we do differently that's going to be more effective for teenagers? You know, as long as they're telling me, then I feel like it's going to be effective for them, you know, because I'm not a teenager anymore as much as I like to think it. I'm going to be 30 this year. <laughs> but <laughs> it's one of those things where as teenagers, they can open up and they can say, actually, you know, I think we should do this. I think we should do this. Because we were, and this sounds so weird, but we were having pre-service games. And then we would go into worship. And then we would have, um, uh, you know, service. And then we would have, you know, snacks and fellowship and stuff afterwards. And I said, you know, is that effective? And to me, it was, you know, like, yeah, teenagers like to have fun. They like to worship. They like to have service. And then they like to hang out. But to them, it was, you know, I would rather have the games after service because whenever we come in and we have games, then, you know, the younger 7th and 8th graders are so, like, crazy and off the wall disruptive that it's hard then. Yeah, you guys laugh because you know. But then it's hard to transition them into worship. So listen to your student leadership team. That's very important. Listen to them, you know. So I will give us a couple minutes. Do you guys have questions? Questions? Do you have one? Uh huh. How is that in relationship? I feel like if you're the church teenagers, how many people in here have heard like, oh, well, you know, you're, they're the church of tomorrow. They're the church of tomorrow. They're the church of tomorrow. When really, they're the church of today. You know, they need to be on student leadership teams. They need to be intermixed in Sunday mornings. They need to be intermixed into children's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's going to be the change. Today for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. Not, or not wait till you're older. Yeah. Because, because the thing yeah. is, so many teenagers, and I know as a teenager, I was sitting there thinking this, and I've heard this from teenagers, because as a West Central area rep, I go around, and if we have, like, an area event, I'll just talk to teenagers, not from my group, but from other groups, and I'll ask them, so how do you think, you know, um, church is going? Do you love it? Do you, what's your favorite thing? What's your least favorite thing? And... You guys would be surprised the most the most most of the teenagers will tell you I just don't feel like I'm a part of the church. I don't feel like I'm being used. I don't feel like I have a place in today's church until I reach a certain age. You know? That's what they want. They want to feel a place at at school it's so like diverse and it's so if you're not cool then you're not, you know. Like, if you don't wear the coolest clothes, then you're not in the in crowd. If you don't play sports, then you're not in the in crowd. If you don't do this, then you're not a part of this group. At church, they just want to feel like they belong. So, that's to me, that's how it's worked for my church and for my ministry, is getting them intermixed in the other cultures, and then starting student leadership teams where they know what to expect, they know what's expected of them, and then they have a chance to do ministry. Because... As a teenager, yeah, 
they probably aren't as grounded in their faith. They probably don't memorize as many scriptures as elders do. They probably don't have as much wise counsel as adults do. But they know how to minister to the people that they're their age, you know? And they need to realize that they are important, that teenagers are important in the church today. That it's not just like, oh, eventually, whenever you turn 21, that's the magic age, and then you can be on the media department, and then you can be on the soundboard. They need to understand that they're important now. So if we don't get them intermixed, they're going to walk away. I was going to say, that's an excellent question, what you Mm -hmm. asked, because... um, you know, I mean, and having four girls, and my youngest is 20, and just always being involved in the church, when they hit college age, if we don't capitalize on their foundation building years mm-hmm. and use them now in our churches and grow them and disciple and come on the side, they go to college and they're like, what now? And the statistics show that they do. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know what the current, current statistics are, but it's mind boggling that they fall away. And so. I just think as a church, we should be doing foundation mm-hmm. building, and then they'll have a good foundation to build their structure mm-hmm. in their college years. So using them now and discipling them now. Even like I said, being an elder in the church, <laughs> I say that with pride, boys can be all these years. But I have integrated lots of young into teaching Sunday school. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. So it's important to empower them, but also direct them. Yeah. You know, because as teenagers, you can empower them, but you know, some things that they're saying aren't always right. You know, realistically, they're not always right. So it's great at that age where they're just forming what they believe and what you know, like what they expect. So you can just direct them in a way that is biblical in a way that will build the body. So that's a great question. You said that it's important that your leaders and your youth leaders know expectations and what's expected. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Oh, yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, Do you have a form? Do you yes. have something posted? Yes. Um, what I do is at every meeting, I start off and I ask that. What are your expectations? What, what are you expected to do as a leader? And sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they're like, eh, I don't know. Then we get out the paper and we read it again. So that's how we start the meetings. And then that way they know, like, these are the expectations. And then at the end, I'll say, okay, so these are the things that we're supposed to do. How are we going to do it? So some of the expectations that they set up, because, of course, I just kind of molded them a little and changed them. But, um, like I said, they want you in service, and this is something that, the pastor said, but this is something that the teenagers also said. We want them in church at least three out of the four Sundays, 75%. That was the percentage that they gave me, 75%. And then they also want a time of before service starts, all of our student leadership team, they wanted to do a devotional to bring them together. So that's something that they do as a group. Of course, I'm in there to direct it, or another leader, if I don't have time, is in there to direct it, or if they have questions or don't understand something. But that's something that every single week we just have a volunteer. And like, okay, what student leader wants to do it this week? And they'll, you know, like, 
there's no shortage of volunteers, thankfully. But they always come in and, you know, it amazes me like what these teenagers really study and what they really do. And that's how you get to know their heart is whenever you give them leadership or whenever you give them expectations and then they come back and they exceed what you're even thinking. So, well, the student leadership team, I meet every Sunday before service and I just say, okay, and this is how we do it. I just say, okay, it's a time when we can kind of gather everybody together and understand, okay, you're supposed to be at the welcome table. You're supposed to be at, you know, snacks afterwards. You're supposed to be here. You're leading this song. You're leading this song. You're leading this song. This is the song we have for altar. Like it's a time where they know what's going on in service, but it's also a time where they come to me and this is the exciting thing is because they do feel empowered and they come and they're like, Oh, Hey, I have this great idea for a game next week. You know, that's the time when they're like, Oh, Hey, I have this great idea that we did here and I loved it. So it's a time where they can actually have a say in the service, you know? So, of course, we're not going to do it that week because it needs prepared and it needs, you know, some thought into it. But it's something that they feel like they have a part of that service. Any other questions? Where are we going? Why is it so warm in here? That's the real question. Oh, man, I am sweating to death right. up here. But, no, they, <laughs> the people over there got the hot seats. Like, you guys are going over here because you got the fan, but he's, like, going high in here. So, so since we are all here and we have a couple, well, we have, like, six more minutes, seven more minutes, what have you guys done in your church to make the, ch- the youth feel like they're a part of the whole body? Is there something, like, you're saying, Sarah, I have this great idea. Like, it worked amazing because maybe I want to steal it. <laughs> but, is, I mean, she's done, you know, kind of the same thing with the adoptive grandparent or grandchild. Is there anything that you're saying, like, this worked really well? Or maybe this didn't work at all? You know? We do a widower's and widow luncheon. Mm. And the students come and serve and cook and, and do all that. And so just one more way to bridge the gap. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's awesome. So she said she does a widower luncheon or widow widower luncheon. And the teenagers serve. Anybody else? All right. Well, I'll go ahead and let you guys. Lunch is the next thing, right? So that clock is actually fast. But you guys have nine minutes early. <laughs> but, but we started with that clock, so we'll let you out with that clock. <laughs>